you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, please turn with me to the book of Titus. Um, the book of Titus, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And as we've been thinking about and contemplating what a healthy church looks like, uh, we cannot neglect the importance of leadership. And uh, so this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you what it looks like for... Um, uh, for, a, pa- for a, uh, a portrait of a biblical and healthy pastor, what that looks like, uh, what uh, the, the characteristics of his, his job or his calling. Um, and so um, I want to pick up in chapter 1, as I said, verses 5 through 9, uh, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Again, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And again, um, I will ask if you're physically able to do so, if you'd be able to stand with me as we honor the ring of God's holy and written word. Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, going through verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord that's given to us this morning. For this cause I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are, that are wanting or that are, that are lacking, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed you. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless, as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not a striker, not given to, to filthy lucre or dishonest gain, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, or disciplined holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers, or literally the opposition. Let's pray together. Father, we would ask now your blessings upon your word. We would ask now that we would submit our hearts to your word and that uh, we would would allow ourselves to hear exactly what you have said to us through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. A couple years ago, there was a hurricane that went through that you probably remember, maybe, uh, that you've heard of. Uh, uh, it's been, been several years ago, but it was, uh, it, was a, um, it was a hurricane named Andrew. It went through and caused great devastation. Um, and uh, uh, there was one particular man who, uh, out of all the other houses around him, whose house had begun to, to his house had stood uh, with very little damage. And he was interviewed, and, and one, of the, one of the things that the interviewer asked him was, you know, out of, the, out of all the homes that were flattened to the ground, right, uh, how is it that your house is one of the very few that are still standing? To which, this is what he, he said to the, to the news reporters. He said, um, I built this house and followed the state code for hurricanes. If the code called for 12-inch beams, I put in 12-inch beams. If it called for metal braces to those beams, I put in metal braces, and this is what he said. He said, I built the house according to the code, and, and the house withstood the hurricane. Interesting, isn't it, that, when we, uh, that uh, he talks about building the house to code. And so what is the application for us? I think, I think the application for us is, I, I hope, pretty clear to us, and that is that whatever else we do, whatever else we say, whatever else we think as a, as a church, we need to make sure that it is in alliance and, and, and in accordance with the Word of God. We cannot come up with things on our own. We are not allowed to do that. That is not, as God's people, something that we are allowed to do. And this morning, I, I want to preach. A, I'm going to preach this morning a sermon that is aimed at myself, uh, as much as it is at anyone else, because we are going to look at what uh, the, the 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 role of a biblical New Testament pastor or pastors in a local congregation and the importance 
of those pastors as they serve faithfully within that congregation. Uh, as, as a general, in general, I think the New Testament uh, concept of pastoral leadership is, is obviously uh, that we've picked up on, particularly in the West, is that, of a, is that of a shepherd, right? And that seems to be the one that we've picked up on, but it's certainly not the only one, as we'll see here as we understand what God has called faithful pastors to within a local congregation. But the imagery of a shepherd is certainly not lacking, and it's certainly, it certainly is a biblical image. And so with that in mind, I, w- I want to show you what, what, what a pastor is to look like. Because I think a lot of times, at least in the churches I grew up in, there was, a, there was a, um, you know, one guy to rule them all. You know, it's like Lord of the Rings, one ring to, you know, to you know, call them all or whatever. There was one pastor, and he was like to do it all, right? But I think as you see, as we look at the Scripture, I think you'll see that God has placed men within a local congregation by His grace uh, and gifted each of them differently to, to fulfill all of these roles um, so that uh, no one person is meant to do all of this, but rather a, a council or a group of pastors within a local congregation is so important. And so, so with that in mind, let me, let me show you the, the portrait and the picture of a New Testament pastor. First, it is a pastor as a teacher and a preacher. And you say, well, well, well Brother Tim, how, how, what do you see here? Well, look with me as you look at Titus chapter 1. What is it, what is it that Paul, and, or even in any of the epistles, we can look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, or we can look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. We can look at all kinds of different places, and we'd see that the one thing in common that, that every pastor is to have in a local congregation, all the pastors in a local congregation are to have, is that they are to be preachers and teachers. They are to, they are to, pre- to preach and to teach. And, and I would argue that this is the proactive side of any ministry. This is, this is, this is pos- if, if we want to put it in this way, we could say that this is church discipline positive, right? This is positive church discipline. This is good. This is what it means. That is that the pastors of a local congregation are called to feed the flock. They're called to feed God's people, they are, they, they are not called to, uh, to, to feed them junk food, right? We're called to feed them the Word of God. Um, and honestly, uh, any, any pastor who refuses to preach the Scripture is, is starving God's people. He is, he is not fulfilling his role or calling if, that, if in fact, he's been called. And yet, the God's people are called, God's pastors are called to feed God's people, and that's what preaching and teaching does. It it feeds God's people the Word of God consistently over time. Um, Hosea cried out uh, in the Old Testament uh, that one of the problems, one of the indictments that God had against the shepherds and the priests in the Old Testament was that they were they were uh, that God's people were being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. For the lack of knowledge, for the lack of understanding, Ezekiel ended up denouncing Israel's leaders for not feeding God's people, but instead feeding themselves. And so he calls out in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 2, he says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 3 cries out against the false shepherds of the nation of Israel when he says, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with, the, not with knowledge and understanding. And so in the New Testament, I think clearly you see that God requires that all pastors within a, law, within a local congregation are, are to be able to preach and teach the word. And that's why here in Titus chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, look what it says here, right? Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers or the, the, those in opposition, right? 
For there are many unruly and vain or empty idle talkers and deceivers, especially them of the circumcision. Right? So, so the, those that have gone in and caused great problems. And so everything that a pastor does is to be done in accordance with the word of God. Everything that I do, everything that any pastor ever does is to be done with a, with a, by, in accordance with the word of God. doesn't mean that that, that pastor has to be a professional right, speaker. Right? He doesn't have to speak with eloquence. But he does have to be able to open God's word and present God's word in a way that doesn't bore God's people. God forgive the pastor who ever bores God's people with God's word. God's word is exciting, and it is, it is, it is, it is wonderful. And we need to understand, uh, and so much so that the pastor as a shepherd uh, has two voices, as Calvin would say. Uh, he says that uh, the pastor has two, sh- two voices, one to drive away the wolves and one to gather the flock. And simply, we would, we would agree with that. We would say, yes, absolutely. And that's part of what the pastor's call within a local congregation is to do. It is to feed God's people, it is to protect, and it is to protect God's people as well. And this is why the, the preaching and teaching ministry is so important to the local church, right? So, so some pastors, right, some pastors are full-time, like myself. Some pastors are not. Uh, some pastors are, are volunteers. Some pastors are, are, are bivocational. Uh, but, but nonetheless, listen to what 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 says. Let the elders who, who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the corn or the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his reward, or literally his wages. And so, so the pastor is called to preach and teach the word of God to God's people. But then there's a second reality to, to, to a pastor's job description. And this is why when you see in the, in the, in the pastoral epistles, You'll see, you'll see different titles, right? You'll see elders at times, or elder at times. Sometimes you'll see bishop, sometimes literally presbyter uh, or overseer. Uh, and at other times you'll see, you'll see shepherd or, 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 or pastor uh, being employed. But there's a second reality that pastors have to be, and that is this. There's a second picture of this, second part maybe of this picture. And that is a pastor as a theologian. A pastor as a theologian. Now, it is true that all of God's people are called to be theologians, right? You're a theologian, whether you realize it or not. Uh, you may say, well, no, 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 I, I, I'm not a theologian, to which I would say, yes, yes, you are, whether you realize it or not. Because every time you make a statement about God, you are proposing a theology. And so we need to make sure that we are grounding that in the Word of God. And pastors more so than anyone else. Pastors need to be theologians. And this is why, if you flip over with me to the book of Acts, you'll see something very important as Paul is departing, um, and in Acts chapter 20, and verses 28 through 31, you'll see Paul talking here to the, to the elders of Ephesus. And uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse, uh, beginning in verse 28, and going through verse 31, he says, Take heed to yourselves, therefore to yourselves, and to all the flock over, the, over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, Shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock? Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so the, they are to, the pastors are to guard God's people from error. Um, we are to guard and to warn those who may be straying into error. And, and as, as a pastor, pastors are called, pastors are called to, to and authorized to protect the church. 
They are, they are authorized to protect the church. They are to lead in the disciplining of false teachers. They are called to correct false teaching. Right? Because, listen, the survival of any church depends greatly on stopping the mouths of those who are savage wolves and who would lead the church into false teaching. And a shepherd has, the pastors have, within a local congregation, the authority over the sheep insofar as to protect and defend them. And, and, and Jesus himself, being the great shepherd, has laid down an example for all pastors and all congregations. And that is, they are to love their lives even to the point of, of even losing them for the sake of the sheep. And it is interesting that as, as we look at the church today, it, it, it does seem to be amazing to me that for, for, for everything else going on, um, there, are, there, are, there are a great many threats to, to the church of Jesus Christ today. There, there are a great many threats. And this is why pastors are called to be biblical and watchers of doctrine and careful. Um, and, 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 and I wish I could say, well, this was only for those, who, those liberal progressive type of people. That's not the case, though. Even among, even among those who would call themselves conservative, quote-unquote, Christians, there, there are some frightening beliefs that some people have. So, so for instance, you have things like uh, false miracles, uh, feminism, uh, same-sex mirage or marriage, right, uh, which is a mirage. There's no such thing. Being light in our knowledge of the Bible and ultimately, I mean, not even fearing God, right? Like, we don't even fear God sometimes in the way that we approach Scripture, and so the pastor is called to 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 watch. The pastors are called to watch over and to protect the church from factions. I mean, listen, Cain killed Abel, and we've been killing each other ever since. Um, and we do that in lots of different ways—words, actions, whatever. Um, and, and God has called the pastors of the local church to lead forth in disciplining sin, confronting sin, and even reconciling people. Right? This is this is this is the job and the work of of of, of being a pastor. There's a third picture, or a third part of the picture of, of what it means to be a pastor, or what pastors are called to do. And again, this is why no one guy can do this all. This is why there, there needs to be a multiplicity uh, of, of, of pastors within a local congregation leading. And that is simply this. The pastor is called to, to lead the church. Most certainly he is. Uh, I, I think you see that clearly throughout Scripture. So, for instance, 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. And so, so this isn't saying that pastors are called to be dictators and can tell you everything that you're supposed to do with your life. No, no, God help us if that's the case. I mean, that's, that's, that's not what, it, what pastors are called to do. But they are called to watch over the souls of, of God's people. They are called to oversee and, and superintend over the, the church and protect them from, again, false teaching and false shepherds. And so they are called to oversee and watch over the, the local congregation. Of course, I mean, never without accountability, right? The church is always called to hold their pastors accountable, right? And so I think the biggest caution that, any, that the Bible gives to, to any pastor um, is, is, that, um, is about not leading, not leading the way they're called to lead. Um, whether it be in the Old Testament or New Testament, pastors are called to take care of and watch over God's people as well as their, their own families, but they must know the scriptures. We must know the scriptures. We must engage in the harvest fields. So, so let, me, let me just say this. Like there, because there, I think there's a, there's a big mis, misunderstanding about 
pastors. Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, okay? That does not, but, but I know that there are, even among some, 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 some very conservative brothers who, who I, I run in their circles and love them, but there is this idea that pastors are just called to, to just do what I'm doing now. And certainly it is a big task that I'm called to do, right? Sunday is always coming around the corner, right? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night is always coming, and it's, it's, it's always going to be there. And that's fine, and I should certainly do that. I should certainly take care of my family. But Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. If a pastor is not doing the work of an evangelist, he's not fulfilling his role. He's not fulfilling his task. Now, certainly it comes in a lot of different ways, comes in a lot of different ideas that you can do. But but pastors are not just called to be the the guru standing up in front of everybody saying, okay, well, this is what the Bible says this week. They are called to do that, but they are also called to lead by example in reaching people with the gospel. They are called to do that. They are not called to hide behind their doors in their offices. As important as studying is, and I, I certainly would agree with you that, that studying is important. Right? I, I, I hate standing up and not feeling as prepared as I, I, I would like to be. But God has called pastors to lead through example of, of not just discipleship, but also through evangelism. And so as, as the pastor leads, as the pastors, excuse me, lead within the church, right, they, they, aren't, they aren't supposed to allow the same old problems to come in year after year and month after month, but should rather, right, instead of allowing that to frustrate and stifle the church, they're called to, to, to lead biblically and fearlessly. And look, I understand the difficulty of that, right? Like, I mean, I, I, as, 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 as much as you may think of me as being a, a, a very outgoing person at times, like, I, I still get afraid of people and things and I don't always say things or do things the way I should because I get afraid of things and I let the fear of man affect me right and this is again why the importance of a, of a good council of, of pastors within a local congregation I think would certainly help and guard against that and certainly would guard against doing things out of fear but would do things well and for the glory of God and and would create uh, uh, hopefully creating instead of bottleneck uh, realities would, would instead create zeal and, and love for, for the gospel. Uh, and this is what God has called us to do. But I would also say this. I would also say that the pastor is, is something else. The pastor is also, there's, a, there's another portrait of the pastor here. And that is that he is a shepherd. And, and, and again, and this is where we get the idea of a pastor, particularly in the Western world. The idea of a, of a shepherd, of a pastor. And, and, and pastors of a congregation have, have many practical duties they have many practical duties, checking up on the welfare of church members and, and, and watching over them and protecting them. COVID has made some very interesting, uh, uh, made it for very interesting trying to visit people in the hospital and, and going to nursing homes and things like that. It's made it very difficult and very hard. But pastors are called to also be in the lives of their people, checking up, making sure that they're okay. Uh, and so I would say that as we look here, as we look in, in Titus chapter 1, verse 8, for instance, let me show you this. But, uh, but the pastor is to do what? He's to be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. He is to shepherd God's people in a way that, that, shows, his, that shows his heart for, for them, his heart for the Lord, his heart, um, their hearts for, for Christ and his glory. And pastors are not called to do everything, but they certainly are called to make sure that things like hospitality, counseling, uh, and, and, and things like this, visitation of, of the bereaved and the shut-ins are occurring and are happening, even if they themselves are not the ones necessarily doing it. Pastors are to set an example for caring for and loving one another and loving the, the congregation. 
And so this is what God has called the pastor to. It should be what I should be. It should be what every pastor in this congregation uh, who God calls should be. But then there's another part of this, this picture um, as, as we look at the idea of pastors. And that is that, and, and as I've said already, and I've sort of already given this one away, but pastors as evangelists. Again, Paul told Timothy to do the work of evangelists. Now, was that in the context of the local church? Yes, but it was also not in the context of the local church, and insofar as he was called to reach those who are apart from and, and outside of, of the gospel and apart from a gospel community. And so they, they are to, pastors are to maintain their zeal for lost souls and, and to lead the local church into being zealous to reaching those who don't know Christ. They should be willing to, pastors should be willing to em, em, emphasize evangelism among the congregation, right? They should, they should encourage mothers and fathers to evangelize their children, to catechize their children. They should encourage mothers and fathers to, to, and, and grandparents to, to, to catechize and to, to teach their children and their grandchildren the gospel, to call them to repentance and to rejoice when the fruit of repentance is there and a gospel profession takes place. But not only there, but also among, among other parts, pleading for those who can't plead for themselves, loving those who need to hear the gospel most, calling them to repentance and faith in Christ. And pastors must model, they must model what it means to disciple, to go into all the world. Listen, listen, one of the, one of the things I think we've done the most is, is we have, let's go to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to get on a soapbox just for a second, okay? So just, just forgive me for a second, but I just need to say this. Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> Look with me here in verse 18, and let's go through 18 through 20, okay? Because I'm, I'm saying I'm on a soapbox, but it does go along with what I'm saying as pastors and evangelists. It says, And Jesus came, came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and on earth, and in earth. Go therefore, or go ye therefore, and teach all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, what part of that is in question? What part of that is in question? We say, well, what do you mean? Well, what does Jesus say? Go and do this. And, and this, is, this is where I think most of us focus. We're like, well, Jesus says go, and Jesus says do this. does he say in verse 18 all power is given to me in heaven and on earth go so we go in the promise of victory we go in the promise of the power of Christ and we go realizing Jesus says without a doubt there will be those that we will always see coming to faith in Christ. This is not a defeated verse. This is a verse of victory, whereby Christ tells us, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, all things meaning all things, and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. There is no defeat in this verse. We are called to rise up in victory and from victory, preach the gospel, make disciples, seeing the world reached for the glory of God. 
And so, so as brothers and sisters in Christ, let me, let, me, let me challenge us and encourage us. Pastors should be the first and foremost on the forefront doing this, leading from this point, loving Christ, serving Christ, honoring Christ in this way, not saying, oh, man, we're going to get beat. I called to that. Man, we're going to get beat. No, no, no. You remember what Jesus promised in the Gospel of Matthew? So the gates of hell will not prevail. I, last time I looked, I didn't, I've never known gates to come alive and start charging after me, right? Have you ever known any gates to chase you? I've known some dogs break through some gates and chase me. But I've never known gates just get up on their own and start chasing me. Gates are defensive, and the gates of hell will not prevail. We must not take a posture of defeat, but rather the posture of victory in fulfillment of this promise, knowing that Christ has overcome and will overcome, and through us promises to reach the nations with the gospel. But then there's one more point that I want to make about the pastor. And that is the pastor as a humble leader of both himself and his family. There is no place for any pastor for there to be any sort of pride. And yet, I fear that in so many cases, over the years, and, not, and uh, over the years, I, I've seen this for myself. Like, if if pastors aren't careful, they can create kingdoms for themselves. And I think this is the importance again of having a plurality of pastors in a local congregation to protect against this and to guard against this. But pastors are called to be humble leaders of themselves and their family long before they are ever called to lead God's people. As a matter of fact, if you want to know if a pastor is qualified. Look at how he and his family relate to one another. Look at how he leads his family, how he speaks to his family, how he loves his family, how he talks to his family, how he, how he interacts with his family. If you want to know if a man of God who says he's called to the pastoral ministry is actually called, look at how he relates and loves his family. Because if that man mistreats and abuses his family, don't you dare think he's not going to mistreat and abuse the people of God. And if he harms his family and doesn't care for his family and doesn't love his family enough to say no at times, right? That's one thing I've learned over the years is there are times when I just say no. I'm going to be, I'm going to be at my son's basketball game. I'm not going to be there, right? As important as that is, that can take care of itself. I'm going to take care of my family. And there has to be times when no is simply no because he's taking care of his family. He's loving his family. And this is why a pastor must be above reproach in both his marital and sexual life. He must be above reproach in both of these areas. Because in a sexually immoral world, God is concerned about this area of life. This is a key testing ground. A man who will betray, listen to me, a man who will betray his closest relationships will betray anything. A man who will betray his closest relationships is a man who cannot and will not ever be faithful in anything. And I know that sounds harsh because you're like, well, well, but, 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 but what about so-and-so? But I'm telling you, if a man will not be faithful in his closest relationships to his wife and his children, he cannot be trusted. And I know that sounds harsh. And I know that really sounds mean. And I know that doesn't sound loving. I know it does. But brothers and sisters, God has called pastors to live at a second level, 
at a, at a, at a, not, all men live at, a, at another level. They, they are just called to lead out other men so that when young men look at me or any other pastor in this congregation, they should be able to say, man, I want to I love my family like, like those guys. I want to love my family like them. Not that they're perfect, not, not, that, not that we're putting people up on pedestals, right, because people fall off all the time. But, but, but man, they, they, they're not perfect, but they love their families well. That's the type of dad I want to be. That's the type of, it's the type of leader, it's the type of father that I want to be. I want to lead in, in my family like that, in faithfulness. Because we live in a sexually immoral world, right? I don't think I need to tell any of us that, right? Like, like we can't, you can't turn on the TV without, I mean, by the way, uh, if you're going to watch the Super Bowl, uh, uh, just listen. I love the commercials too, but halftime show, man, I don't know. But that's between you and God, right? So I'm just telling you, uh, there's some crazy stuff that happens there. Anyways, the reality is that we live in a fallen world, and this plague I have seen Men of God, listen, and I say this, and I know this sounds harsh, but I don't say this without it costing me personally. I have known brothers who love Jesus and who I love dearly, who I have labored beside and I have faithfully preached the gospel beside. I have watched as man after man after man after man has fallen prey to the temptations of this world and disqualified themselves because they have embraced their wickedness. I'll give you an example of this. I graduated Bible college in 2002. Okay? 40, 43 years old. Graduated in 2002. <clears throat> graduated with a class of around 60 people, right? Of those who are still active in ministry, I can count them on one hand. I can count them on one hand. In 20 years after, I can count how many are still actively engaged in pastoral ministry for various reasons. For various reasons. But one of the main reasons is that most of them could not keep their pants up and refused to be faithful to their wives. So let me say this and apply this. For the Christian, let me say this. We need to obviously be growing in the faith through regular times of reading and studying scripture. Absolutely. But do not neglect the reality that you are called to live in submission to faithful to a faithful church and faithful pastors, faithful elders. Second of all, for the church, your pa- our pastors must never be passive about our work. The Bible tells us to shepherd the flock. Too much is at stake for us not to do that. You as God's people need positive, godly, prayerful leadership. And the church needs good communication. The church needs to know the scripture. And their pastors must be committed to this. They must be challenged. They must, this is why, this is why, as soon as we're done with this series, we're going right back into the, right back into where we picked up. We finished 1 Samuel, we'll finish, we'll start in 2 Samuel. And we'll just keep going, and we'll just keep going, and we'll just keep going. Because God's people need God's word. And for the non-Christian, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Jesus is the great shepherd. 
He is the one that will never fail. He is the one who will never fail. He, though, though there, there may be lots of other pastors in this world who will fail, who will fall down, who will sin, Jesus will never forsake you. Jesus promises to give you the rest for your weary soul that you need and are in so desperate need of. Jesus promises that he, to remove your sin through the blood that he has provided for the forgiveness of sins. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And Jesus has promised to never leave you or forsake you, but to shepherd your soul for the glory of God, for the glory of his Father, and the good of your soul. And so I call upon you, if you are here this morning and do not know Christ, have never placed your faith in Christ, come to the good shepherd who has died for his sheep and who has died for the sins of those who would repent and believe. Come to the shepherd of your soul who will in no wise cast you out, but will in fact embrace you lovingly. He calls and demands that you come to him by grace through faith this morning. Would you come? Would you come? So, with that said, let me pray for us, and then we will sing. Father, we thank you for this time together. May you bless this time as we have, we have, we have looked at the scriptures, as we have talked about the scriptures, as we have, we have, we have sought to, to look through the, 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 uh, the, the pages of scripture, and we've sought to be faithful to them. God, may we continue to be faithful. May you raise up many faithful pastors here. May you cause us to, to move in victory forward, and for the glory of God, and for the grace of your great name. And Father, may we do so. May we do so, proclaiming your promises, trusting you in Jesus' name.